is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, the London is Blue podcast. Hopefully, you're home for good Chelsea conversation in troubled <laughs> times, Nick. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be the podcast port in the storm for people as Chelsea suffer another defeat, this time at the hands of the mighty Buzzin' Bees, Brentford. Another London derby where Chelsea do not walk away with any points, any valor, any glory, anything worthwhile. Yeah, Dan. uh, Desperate times call for... um, for Desperate measures and a Nick and Dan save the world show is exactly what we need right now. Um, I think, you know, I've donned my cape, you know, and I and I would hope that you're wearing yours as well. We're going to do our best here, guys. Look, it's pretty bleak out there right now. <laughs> I think if you've been on Twitter uh, anytime this season, you probably understand that the uh, the mood is uh, is tense, to say the least. And uh, a lot of people look in a lot of different directions for a lot of different answers. And um yeah, I we'll try. We'll do our best. Yeah, so in this episode, we did ask the people, because we are nothing if the podcast of the people, on what they would like us to cover as we sip a little bourbon and just try to contemplate life, everything, everywhere, all at once, and Chelsea, and what multiverse <laughs> we could have been in, and the one that we are in right now. And we got a lot of recommendations on what we should talk about tonight. Chili's saying episode about anything other than that trash match. You had Robert saying, think of monotone discussion of the War of 1812 or maybe the variables <laughs> of the bond market. Nails on a chalkboard for 60 moment, minutes, which maybe that Chelsea match was a visual version of that. Just don't sure. talk Chelsea, yeah. please, for all our sakes. 11th place in lumps. Let's talk about the mail. I mean, the postal service is a, a crazy invention. Uh, well-oiled machine, I typically. I got served with... With jury summons from the mail today, so no, I don't want to talk about that. Realist CFC, literally anything. Paint, different kinds of plastic, philosophical <laughs> movements, the 1800s, whatever you want. Um, just really a, a large collection of suggestions of things that we should talk about today. And look, we, we will make a little conversation for historical purposes to put this podcast in a time <laughs> castle about the match at hand. But we also took a lot of questions most of them not related to anything in Chelsea. So if you'd like to skip over the match part, we completely understand. Uh, well, maybe Jed- Editor Jake can put a timestamp in and say, hey, jump to this point and you'll hear some non-Chelsea conversation. And, and finally, finally, the people will hear two hotly requested things, Nick. They will hear your recommendations for bourbon, hotly demanded by the people, and... The Boy Genius album review for myself that has been requested multiple times now by at least two people. <laughs> Look, many are saying uh, that this is going to be the moment in which you know they uh, they they see us as a music podcast from here on out um, after the Boy Genius album review. So. Look, uh, like I said, we're gonna do our best here, folks. We're uh, we're about half a glass of bourbon in, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make it uh, make it rain over here. So uh, I will do the three word match review since Dan is hosting the show, and uh, I will read out. Look, all all of these are, are are in the same ballpark today. Tough to see it any other way. Uh, Southeast Blues, they would know a little bit about these. Another beach day. Um, oh yeah, one, coming to an, uh, one near you. Jacksonville Blues with sad nap time. Shouts to the men in Blazers for inventing the sad nap. Uh, Mid-Atlantic Blues, that was something. And I assume that they said that in the most dry, monotone way that they could. Uh, Jesper Farso, man, OG of the pod. The Arsenal experience. Uh, the only the only good part about today is that they are uh, losing the title, which is fantastic. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah. Oof. Uh biomolecules mules with star wars pod question mark oh boy mandalorian talk all day let's go and then uh mark clements uh let's see preview shows only for the next year no reviews maybe maybe the vibes will be better that way we'll see grizz is london comedy central (laughs) uh oscar white maltese with hunt for 40 we still don't have it uh brandon uh, eating his words yet again. And uh, Jesse Lambert Harden with Make It Stop. And boy, 
that's uh, that's not incorrect, Dan. Yeah. Mine off the top of my head, because after doing all this preparation and deciding a bourbon was more important, did not craft one up until this moment, but woes and whimpers. The way that this season is ending is full of both and uh, doesn't make anyone feel that good. And then, Nick, I think yours, uh, as we were talking to some of our friends today over the overseas today, probably rings truest as to where the state of affairs is right now. Yep. Sting of apathy. I think a lot of people just, uh, and rightfully so, uh, can't be bothered. And, uh, I feel for our friends from, from, you know, from Chelsea in America who, uh, were supposed to go to Brentford and Arsenal. That match obviously got moved, all that sort of stuff. Like I feel for these guys cause they're just not going over at the right time. We, we got lucky and timed our trip for the three wins that we could have possibly seen, <laughs> and uh, and that was and that was about the ball game for this year. Because boy, it's been tough out there. Well, hey, before we jump into some more conversation, uh, just a couple callouts. Uh, yeah, if you want to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we greatly appreciate it. It Helps people find the show. Um, you know, also if you have constructive feedback, uh, contact at lensbluepodcast.com. We'd also love to hear that too as well. Um, and you can join us on Patreon and our wonderful Discord community too. That's always an option. But look. It was this Brentford game. It was Wednesday, April 26, 2023 in the Premier League. Stanford Bridge, Chelsea 0, Brentford 2. Azpilicueta in the 37th minute with an own goal. And Umbembo with a goal in the 78th minute. We are not rolling fifth stand highlights. Uh, those would be lowlights in this exact moment. So, Editor Jake, don't worry about it. Took care of it for you. And we could jump right into the lineup, Nick, if you want to walk us through who Frank Lampard put out on the pitch. Well, Dan, um, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, really get a, a chance to see the lineups before, uh, before everything started. So, when I walked into our WhatsApp and it was like the community scene where Donald Glover walks in with the pizzas and everything's on fire, Um that, that was kind of the reaction to the lineup today because, you know, after a week off, you know, didn't play last weekend, team is, you know, battered and bruised. Reese and, and Mason are out for the season, all this sorts of stuff. We still got the, the same shit all over again. And it, Keppa between the sticks, Fofana, Thiago Silva, Trev Chalaba in the back, same back three as, as Madrid. Uh, ben Chilwell and Cesar Espelicueta making his triumphant slash not-so-triumphant return to the lineup after being kicked in the face uh, earlier this season. Enzo Fernandez, Mateo Kovacic, and N'Golo Kante in midfield. N'Golo playing as a right winger again for reasons that I... whatever. And then Connor Gallagher and Raheem Sterling made up a very flaccid uh, front line to start the game. Um, the, the subs came early and, and often in this one. Uh, Mikhailo Mutrik in the 45th minute uh, or 46th minute after halftime, along with Aubameyang making a rare and uh, disheveled appearance on the pitch. And then in the 79th minute, Joao Felix and Noni Matawake come into the game. And uh, Matawake was pretty bright for, for a couple minutes there. But whatever, it doesn't really matter. There were subs that weren't used. We don't need to talk about them. That's fine. But yeah, overall, um, uh, Bad is a word that comes to mind. That's all I got. You go through the stats, Dan. Tell us how bad it was. Look, uh, expected goals. Everybody's favorite stat when you lose, 1.24 to 1.05 for uh, Chelsea to Brentford. We had 73% of the possession. They had 27%. 15 total shots to their seven. Four on target to their one. Eight off target to their five. Three block shots to their one. Five corner, five terrible corner kicks to their two mm. um five fouls to their 13 one big chance to their zero one big chance missed to their none the story of chelsea's season pretty much there are 10 shots inside the box five, uh, box five saw outside and yeah no random stat i think the shithouse moment of the match nick let me take a guess it was us for watching yeah yeah we got bodied on this one dan uh right out of bounds it was a tough tough break uh, one big chance, one big chance missed. Uh, you could just put that on replay the entire podcast season so far, and that would be the case. The team is incapable of scoring goals. It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. 
uh, as a Chelsea fan. And uh, yeah, the stats kind of bear it out. I mean, look, I, we'll talk about the the halves here coming up and all that stuff. But fact of the matter is, results are just uh, impossible to come by and still don't have 40 points, Dan. Uh, despite Brandon making fun of me months ago for suggesting that it was going to be difficult to get to 40. The, the thing is, no one wanted to buy in to your timeline because, look, it, it's no one wanted to exist in that space. And so, unfortunately... You think I want to be here? I don't want to be I, here. I don't think you want to be there either. But this is one of those unfortunate times where you're right and it sucks that you were right. You, <laughs> you, got, you, were, you were so correct <laughs> that the universe couldn't handle it and decided that, yes, Chelsea needed to suffer. Uh, so we'll take a real quick ad break. We'll be right back. We'll talk a little bit about the two halves and maybe a couple of items of note before we jump in to all of your listener questions, which we super appreciate. Again, this is a show for you and trying to just add a little bit of levity into the moment where Chelsea are just not good as a footballing unit. So we will take an ad break and be right back. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish that you could handpick the best stars for your business team? Look, if you're building a talented roster, you need Indeed. Stop spending hours on multiple job sites finding the perfect candidate for the position because, look, Indeed has all of the tools you need in one place to hire at warp speed. Sponsor a job, and they're going to match you with the quality candidates whose resumes fit the job description that you post right away. Helps you start hiring fast. And look, Indeed knows that you're growing your business. You have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Nick. So running through the two halves. Before, before we jump into the actual football, can we just say, uh, and and I will say this on your behalf, the uh, I'm only 45 minutes into the CFC Central Pochettino special that you guys did for eight and a half hours the other day. <laughs> uh, but it is fucking tremendous. Sam went back to his childhood because that's the sort of researcher that Sam is. Uh, if you guys need a, a a second of not current Chelsea and maybe some future Chelsea, the Matt Law pod on Monday or Tuesday was fantastic. The CFC Central pod on on Wednesday today that we're recording this is absolutely worth your time. And get out of the current doldrums. Go listen to those things. Go watch the Chelsea women tomorrow or Thursday as you're listening to this hopefully beat Barcelona in the new camp, which would be an amazing success. There, there are plenty of other things to be optimistic about. I know that's a hilarious thing coming from me, but uh, yeah, this, this was tough as a watch. So I'm giving you something positive to start, Dan. That's all I'm doing. That's absolutely fair. And as we jump into the starting element of it, I know you referred to it as the Donald Glover room on fire when delivering pizzas, <laughs> but to me, looking at that starting lineup and trying to piece together the breadcrumbs of conversation in and around Chelsea from uh, people inside the organization, people reporting on the organization, people just observing, Chelsea are not a fit side. They're a lot of unhealthy players. There are players have been shut down now. We saw the photos of Mason Mount, who seemingly has had a successful procedure. There's potentially... Reese James might be another individual considering a procedure as well, which, look, get those out of the way, get ready for next season. Like that, we're going to need you then. We don't need you right now. This, to me, this 11 screamed, you're fit, you're in a good, sh like, you can go in and play a shift, and even though maybe you aren't my preferred players necessarily, like, I just need people who are going to run and try to commit themselves for 90 minutes if they can do that. That that is that was my read on the situation. Like I know people are like, why why no striker? Why no situation? Bamiyang hasn't played enough to be ready for ninety minutes. Like I could be wrong, but I feel like that's probably the signal we're sending if you sub him on right at half. Yeah, look, I I don't I don't know what Lampard rates or doesn't rate from training. I'm not going to pretend to to be an insider and 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 tweet out some bullshit. You can get that from plenty of other uh, terrible Twitter accounts out there. What I do know is this. 
this team has failed to achieve every single aim this season that it has set out to do. You now have six matches, including the one we're talking about, to try something new. Because this is, if it's broke, don't fix it sort of lineup selection to me. And I am frankly, there you go, shocked that we saw basically the same 11 that played against Real Madrid a week ago. Are these the best players in training? Maybe. I don't, I, again, I'm not going to pretend to know that like a lot of other people will. But I have to believe that trying something different is like opportunistic at this point. Why, why wouldn't we see Matawake playing right wing back? Why wouldn't we see anyone but Sterling playing half striker? Why wouldn't we see Mikhailo Mudrik get a run of games here at the end of the season as, as a starter in the team? Why do we have to see Kovacic when we've seen enough uh, on that front? Like, why is Batty Shield out of the squad forever? These are serious questions, man, that I don't have answers to. And again, I'm not saying that Chelsea are safe and we're on the beach because we are, you know, we're, we're hypothetically safe, but this team also needs to pick up points. And, and they just, this lineup has never shown an ounce of being able to do that. Yeah, I mean, think about the collective Premier League goal scoring record of at, during their time at Chelsea, Raheem Sterling, Conor Gallagher, and Golo Kante. That does not fill you with confidence from an attacking perspective. And no surprise, it wasn't until the 20th minute where Chelsea registered their first shot on target. So, not a surprise that it wasn't until uh, some substitutions were made that Chelsea started to, to find some shots, started to find an opportunity to try to play their way forward. Uh, but it did have that continual feeling that Chelsea were not going to be able to find something regardless of what combination of players we put out there on the pitch. And yeah, I think, Nick, the biggest maybe moment of disappointment in the first half had to come with the way the set piece was defended leading towards the goal and maybe underlined that just the management of individuals in the box the zonal marking the height matchups the tracking a lot of it is going to need some massive overhaul like we pointed to problem positions like individual players but like maybe this is something specifically it's like just the way chelsea have defended set pieces has not been working well and leaves us open to a side like brentford who are better with set pieces to take advantage of a situation, even if it was, you know, ended up being an own goal uh, deflection off of Aspie. Yeah. I mean, in these situations that I know, like people are going to be like, Oh, Nick, you're just, you know, supporting Aspilicueta because you're his biggest fan and you have his signed shirt and you love him and you gave him a nickname. That is all very true, by the way. I love him. And I did give him a nickname that I, I love. The ball should never reach him in that scenario. The marking was so bad on uh, starts with a Z. What was his name? Sorry, uh, Zanka. Is that right? The the guy who had Zanka. Yeah, the marking was so bad that he had a free header, and the free header was going off frame. And as Pilicueta hit his arm and went in, like the ball should never get to his Pilicueta because you should be able to mark him. Uh, Brentford, look, man, I have a lot of admiration for what Brentford have done as a club. I think they're a super smart organization. I think Thomas Frank is a wonderful head coach. Uh, he clearly has this team bought into what he's trying to do. And that's the reason they're the top half of the table and we are not. Um, but they're not an especially attractive side to watch. They do some really fundamental things very well. Set pieces are one of those things. And Chelsea just look wholly unprepared to deal with their movement on set pieces and their size. And I I don't know why that was. Um, you know, we knew that they were not going to have much of the ball. You know, I think they've had less than 20% of the ball like three or four times this season, which is insane for Premier League team. But this is what they do. They defend with their lives and they counterattack like a motherfucker. 
that's exactly how we got done today, right? I mean, they defended with their lives. They had six, seven people in the box, and we attacked at all times. And when they had a chance to strike, they did it twice, right? One of them unlucky, the other one a clinical finish on a break. And that's the ball game. And you can be mad about that style of play. Chelsea used to be able to do that, by the way. We used to be able to defend with our lives and hit a counter and win a game one or two nil. But they looked wholly unprepared to to try and break that Brentford defense down. And I know we'll talk about the second half, which was a much better performance holistically. But, like, still wasn't close. Yeah. So the second half started off with some interesting substitutions. Enzo coming off, but Kovacic staying on was a question mark for me. This felt like Kovacic is... I think he's end like I think he's about to end his time at Chelsea. Like he would be likely someone that maybe earlier in the year under an early regime, Chelsea would try to ever have tried to renew him already for um, beyond the end of next season because his contract won out the end of the 2023-2024 season. So this feels like if the club is looking to try to recoup some funds ahead of the you know maybe replacement refill that's going to need to occur in a couple of key spots that maybe this is the final set of matches he plays and i i don't know that one the the mudrick one made sense like completely made sense yes let's get him on the pitch let's have him try to run at him get him behind break them down but the the enzo coming off and kovacic staying on was a weird one well, i also say like you know sterling flexes out to right wing back Right, they take Aspi off at half, and Sterling looks a shit ton better at right wing back than he did up top. He looked a lot more dynamic. He was making runs into channels. He was able to, you know, do a lot more on that side. And I think it just begs the question for me: is like, what is his role? We have a bunch of players who don't want to play right wing for whatever reason. We got one guy who really does, who barely plays, and that's Noni Madueke. Um, but we have a bunch of, of guys, Mudrik, Pulisic, Sterling, etc., who are left wingers who want to cut in, right? And to me, when we saw Sterling with a little bit more space, a little bit more time in the ball, and the ability to make passes, he did look better, right? The team looked better in the second half. You know, I know people are going to slate me for saying that, but they, they did. They looked a lot better in the second half, but... The problem is our passing patterns in the final third are so horrific. Brentford didn't have to move. In every turn, I think there was one big chance created in the second half, and that was it. And then it was just a lot of, uh, you know, lackadaisical passing around the circle. Like, whoever, whoever the new manager is, and of course it looks like Pochettino, we have to figure out how to pass the ball to each other in the final third. It is absolutely criminal what's happening right now. And I, I, I don't know, Dan, like uh, there were flashes. Mudrik was a flash. You know, he did some good stuff. Obama Yang had, had the one, you know, overhead kick chance and then had the dribble shot that he hit right into the goalkeeper. It was better than the first half clearly, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think Frank necessarily used the squad the best in this one, necessarily. Didn't go out to win, that's for sure. I did like getting to see Mikhailo Mudrik out there on the pitch. I think he is one of the few interesting question marks between now and the end of the season. Uh, I think, as Seb mentioned in uh, Le Tinkerman with, with Joe, that like crying out for coaching, crying mm. out for someone who can maximize what he is capable of doing and helping him understand where to be, when to be, but just some of the raw talent that he had on display today shows you there's something there. There, there's glimmers of of excitement. Oh, yeah. um, you know, you're you're you're, you're the, we're the prospector right now. I got a lot of prospects, but it's up to a coach to come in and really chip away to understand like is it is it the true worthwhile mineral or is it some fool's gold and i i think at least initially the mudrick signing uh, and the matawaka signing feel more like the heading in a, a rare minerals type of situation than than anything else um matawaka probably needed more than 10 or 11 minutes um so that would have been another thing 
this is another question I have for Frank. Like, why why not play him at right wing back? Why not play Ruben in midfield? Why? I mean, you've seen what the guys that you've picked have done for you, which is lose you four straight games <laughs> heading into this one. Like, why why not give the guys who who haven't got the the game time a chance to do a thing? Like, yeah. again, I'm not telling you Ruben Loftus Cheek's going to win you the game by scoring three goals to to stave off Brentford, but can we can we at least try? Can we try something different? And it begs, I think, the larger question, Dan. You know, as as we end the football part of the conversation here, what's the fucking point of these m- meaningful yet clearly apathetic matches if you're not going to try something new? Yeah. Uh, and what should we tr- what should we expect moving forward? Because I I don't know right now. Well, I think another example is. You know, Joao Felix running out for another 11 minutes at the end of the match. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like I would have to be a rocket scientist to try to play this forward. But I don't see a world where Chelsea are signing him to a contract after this season based upon the performance data that we have. Despite him being a very kind and wonderful individual um, off the pitch, it does not seem like he is a necessary component to help take this Chelsea side up to another level. And and look, he's been played in a lot of different positions. He's been asked to be kind of a center forward or a second striker this year. Why not play him as a number 10? Like a true number 10. See what happens. Like, again, I, I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. It feels like Frank is trying to get one point per match with his approach, (laughs) like zero, zero draw basically. Because we can't fucking score, so that's the only way we're gonna get points is by keeping a clean sheet. But it's not—he's not even playing a three-five-two, Dan. What he's doing is he's playing a three-four-three with N'Golo Conte as a right wing player in, in attack. That's not what N'Golo Conte does, and he knows that because he coached him before. Like, so you know, I, I've been very kind to Lampard on the show, and I feel for him because this has to just be excruciating for him to go through a second time. But I, I think some of the situ like some of the question marks I have today are, are on him to answer. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about better things to come. The summer tour, what our plans are. People have been asking, people have been buying tickets. People are still excited to see Chelsea in the U S when all of the reset has been accomplished. But there were other questions, too. Maybe some stuff about movies, TV, bourbon, and again, maybe NFL Draft, which is happening in Nick's backyard over the weekend. So dun, 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 we will dun, answer dun, all those listener questions. And again, we had too many, so we're going to do a mailbag next week. But, uh, yeah, we, we're done talking about Chelsea's performance, and we're going to head into some better conversations after this break. So stick around and be right back. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company, independently built, that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So, and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it. They'll give you a new pair or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, thanks to lost and broken replacements, you can get a replacement pair. No questions asked anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right. London is blue, all caps, spelled just like the podcast, you know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. All right, Nick. It's what the people wanted. They wanted answers to cues. They wanted the A's to the cues about things not related to Chelsea to 
try and put a bit of a smile on their face. And look, we were talking this weekend about what we were going to be doing for the summer tour. Mindful Mana asking city recommendations for summer tour, things to do in each stop, like food, sites, entertainment. Yet E. Stalsberg asking about the bars for the preseason game. Shift the focus to better days ahead. And Shayla asking summer tour stops. They want to know if we're coming because Philly is ready with the flex. Well done. Uh, Funny you, know, you should ask. That's <laughs> a convenient set of questions that we got there from from the old listeners um we had a conversation about this last night didn't we we were uh we were gabbing amongst the crew we were like hey you know should we should we put ourselves out there to get hurt again you know should we do it and uh, of course we're gonna fucking be there what are you talking about chelsea coming to the states you bet on the one in his blue podcast being there to take in the action to do a job and of course uh, we're going to deliver. And unlike last year, we're not doing three stops. We're doing four. Four stops, Dan. They're coming here five times unofficially, but four times officially announced. We're goddamn doing it. Tell us about it. Come on. Pump the people up. Look, it starts in Raleigh-Durham. We are heading to watch Chelsea play the Fightin' Wrexham FC in the Battle of Hollywood, <laughs> Bully Showtime Blues. Which team has a better striker right now? Let's. Which let's one be has honest. two Rexham better did. strikers than than <laughs> us right now? Um, <laughs> look, uh, we're super excited. The uh, the Raleigh Durham Blues are a phenomenal group, and we are very excited to engage with them. Uh, I think at all of these stops, we're looking to do some type of live show. Um, we'll we'll try to wrangle in some of our friends that might be visiting from overseas to join us in mm-hmm. a little bit of a casual conversation setting, hopefully at a place where a, a pint or a beverage of some sort can be enjoyed while one is watching us. Because if you're watching us, you probably need to have some type of beverage. That's just it's going to make it a whole lot easier just, to enjoy. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, so shouts to Tiff uh, in, in Raleigh-Durham. She's. She's getting the crew ready. She's uh, she's been texting me all the time. We're gonna get the the live show set up. We're gonna have some fun with that one. I mean, the Wrexham story is incredible. Obviously, if you've been paying attention to to what they got going on over there, Chelsea will be back with hopefully a much trim squad and a new management approach next year. So, you know, the preseason's the most optimistic time of the year. Transfers coming in. Who's gonna do what? You know, no, no points have been uh, dropped at that point necessarily. So we, we just want these to be fun uh, for you guys. And Raleigh Durham's a hell of a way to kick it off. We have a, a ton of friends down there. Uh, we met a ton of those folks uh, in Charlotte last year during the, uh, the summer tour. And, uh, you know, it, it was probably because I wasn't there, but that was our best live show of the bunch, I think. So uh, we're going to run that shit back. <laughs> Look, it's just the way it works, Nick. Um, anyway, yeah. we're also going to hit up Philadelphia, Atlanta, and D.C. So the Wrexham match is like a one-off. And then the Philadelphia, Atlanta, D.C. stops are part of the Premier League Summer Series. And then the fifth rumored stop in a uh, Windy City, as the way that the Chelsea in America email may have framed it to members, um, that one is likely as a part of a you know, an independent and not a part of the Premier League series. So similar to like the Wrexham game. Um, but yeah, I, I'm We're excited. We're going to be on the road go- for two weeks, Dan. Two yeah. weeks of, of us on the road is going to be something. A lot of hotel points that we just uh, just put to work <laughs> last night. That's for sure. We're excited for all these. I'm, I'm super excited. I've not been to Philadelphia as a city in probably a decade. Um, so I'm pretty excited. Great great city great food all these cities have have great food culture which uh and and great uh beverage culture so very excited for this if you don't think that we're shooting a video eating a cheesesteak you're out of your fucking mind okay philly blues have already hooked it up they're already like hey we're not gonna let you go to a tourist spot we're not letting you go to some you know overhyped situation 
they hit us up in the DMs and they gave us the specific place to go to. Um, you know, the Atlanta Blues and the uh, Beltway Blues are also uh, great people. So we're looking to work with all of them and figure out what the live show situation is. But stay tuned. But if you're going to be going, like, pay attention to our Instagram, pay attention to, to TikTok, a newsletter, like, all those things. Like, we will keep people as informed as humanly possible. Twitter, as long as it stays open and the lights are on, we'll, we'll keep you updated there as well, too. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. We hope to see you there. We're going to be putting on a lot of, you know, here's what we're going to be. Here's what we're going to do. But if you live in those locations and you have recommendations for us, food, drink, or otherwise, send them our way. We are very excited. Dan and I are food people. Like, we want to we want to get the the real shit, not the touristy shit. So please, uh, please really uh, help us out there. All right, next question. We'll get into this one from Luke. This asking, how do you guys handle being forced to cover jealousy at the moment? I mean, we, we choose to do it, but uh, no, no one, no one is Korea, forcing man. us. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we do it because we love it. No, though Luke does indicate you dedicate so much of your free time to this team. That would be a yes. How do you keep performances like this from not wrecking your mood when you can't just ignore it like the rest of us? Uh, <laughs> uh, this one's hard. Uh, this season's been a challenge. I mean, I think... You know, it's obviously not been great to watch on the men's side. Let's be very specific. This is a men's first team problem, not a rest of the club problem. Uh, the Chelsea women are fantastic to watch. That's why we started a podcast about them. Chelsea youth does a great job breaking down the youth team. Uh, the, yeah, the men's first team is tough. It, look, guys, we're people above all else. Like, we ride and die with this team. And unfortunately, it's just not been a whole lot of, like, joy out of it um part of what keeps us going is you guys because we we really want this to be something that even in tough times we don't back down from i think we take a lot of cues from the fan cast guys and folks that have been around for a very long time when things were in a much more dire state than they are right now and and you know just kind of take it as it comes a little bit but yeah i mean has my mood been super great this year? No, you know, and and that's just part of being a, a supporter, Dan. I, you know, we're, I think we, we do try and be honest. You know, we've had some feedback that like, oh, the pods are negative. We're not going to blow s- smoke up your ass. Or like, overly the product's positive. not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's, that's fair. I would say that the reason why we do it at this point almost uh, getting close to starting the 10th season and wrapping on the ninth one. It's it's wow. actually just getting to hang with Nick and Brandon for a couple hours every week uh, is, is actually probably the way that uh, makes it worth doing um, when the club's results are kind of terrible is to have a couple people you can talk to to work through some of the, the feels on it. And then also not to define the main happiness in life from Chelsea, which is a hard thing to do because I think we tie so much of our identities up into the things that we do or the things that we love. Like, so if you love a sport and that sport becomes part of your identity, if that thing is not going well, like you can feel that your self-worth is affected in it and being able to compartmentalize and say, Chelsea is just something I enjoy and Chelsea may be good or maybe bad, but that doesn't necessarily affect my ability to have great times, great life outside of it. And so it's a tough thing to do. It, it really is. Like, I, I don't I don't think it's easy for any of us, but I, I do think that it, it's just a, something you learn after. Yeah, and and our, our friends overseas have way more experience with us, the, with Chelsea specifically, than we do because they've watched promotion and relegation um in addition to winning champions leagues and so they uh they maybe and, can contextualize your administration yeah that too all right so some more fun stuff millhouse asking the top three animated movies nick i'm gonna let you go first because i i i agree with one of yours and i'll go second because i think yours are like there's a, a theme here in the next two questions yours are more serious mine are a little bit more uh goof i don't know if they're more serious i i just you know i tried to you know Keep in mind, you know, my kind of thought on it. And I, look, 
I think it's tough. I, I, I initially said I could do a top five. I didn't know if I could do a top three. So I feel like the exclusions are uh, some type of Miyazaki film and a Pixar film because those are, are two categories of films that I, I do love. But uh, you know, as I record, there's an Iron Giant poster that sits behind me every recording we do. So no surprise, Iron Giant, 1999, Brad Bird directed, had to be a part of the list. Um, more recent, though, the other ones are more recent movies uh, in the last uh, 10 years. And so there's Your Name, which is a Japanese film uh, by Makoto Shinkai. Very, very good film. Um, kind of incredible way that's built and ended. He's got a couple of movies now that have been uh, put out in the U.S. Uh, in theaters, which is uh, very cool to kind of see. And then Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. Uh, a lot of people involved in that one. Oscar or, uh, Oscar winner as well for uh, Best Animated Film. So Sequel comes out this summer, which is very exciting. But like just the multiple mixes of different animation styles, the fact that it felt like a living comic in a way that most things, some things have tried to do but have not captured before, really, really exceptional. So th- those are the three that I would put out there. I'm, I'm 100% on board with Spider-Verse. The first time I watched Into the Spider-Verse, and I think a lot of people know I work – uh, in, a, in in creative advertising, it absolutely blew my mind how incredible it was. Not only the the voice acting that's done, you know, and the fact that Jake Johnson is in it and he's one of my favorites. Like the the visual effects are just insane, and uh, I could not be more excited for the sequel that's coming out. Maybe that'll make my top three after I watch it. Uh, I'm gonna go with a couple of goofy ones here. Uh, the most underrated uh, animated movie of all time to me is The Emperor's New Groove. I absolutely love that movie. Uh, I don't think it gets enough uh, credit on the streets uh, for how good it is. And, you know, you, you can you can have your Lion Kings. You can have your Jungle Books. You can have whatever. I, I'm taking Emperor's New Groove. It's absolutely fantastic. And then uh, I'll throw a wild card in there. I love Hercules. From back in the day, I remember watching it in theaters as a, as a kid, and uh, and it was just utterly fantastic. Uh, James Wood uh, playing uh, Hades uh, is a pretty perfect uh, analogy of who that person is. <laughs> and, uh, and more look, so now than uh, ever. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and look, it's just it's absolutely a, a fantastic uh, film, and I love the uh, I love the artwork that's in that one, especially when they. Uh, went through like the amphoras of, of wine and like the transitions there. So uh, absolutely great. I love those three movies a ton. Well, I'm glad you could go the distance on that one there, Nicholas, to get us some answers to that question. Kenyon also asking five ta- five top favorite movies and show. I, I didn't want to give him all. I, this is like too long of a answer for. So I, I figured we would just encapsulate shows because we just talked about movies and we'll come back to the movie one maybe in the Monday pod. Sure. You want me to go first on this one? Yeah, please, please. You're you're gonna you're gonna go a different route than I did. Dan and I do both agree the West Wing is a tremendous series. I've probably watched the West Wing as a as a rerun as much as any other thing that I watched. It's like a it's a go to show for me. Uh, the next two are, are comedies, so Parks and Rec is an all-timer for me. It's better than The Office. Take The Office and and go away. Parks and Rec, better character development, better series overall. Don't even front with me. That's that's off the table. Uh, New Girl, tremendous show. This New Girl surprised me more than any other show that I've ever watched as a series. I really, really love that show. I'm currently re-watching it right now. The other two are more serious. Uh, Despite season eight and this is a huge asterisk uh game of thrones is a tremendous series no one can argue that the breadth of the work is really really good the ending of course terrible and then the final one is is one that i re-watched due to roger bennett's uh rewatchable series and that is band of brothers absolutely epic uh, show if you are into any sort of like history, military history, storytelling from that sort of World War II era, it is just simply the the gold standard. So, 
I got a lot of I got a lot of weird ones in there, Dan. It's a weird mix in my five, and and frankly, Ted Lasso could sneak in there depending on how they do the ending of season three. It's fair. Look, I also had The West Wing, uh, Aaron Sorkin show, pretty pretty phenomenal, and still rewatchable in the sense of idealistic aspirations of what democracy could look like if we we all wanted uh, some things a little bit more. Yeah. So then a uh, heavy, heavy tilt to HBO type of shows. I think The Wire from David Simon, uh, you know, really uses of the course. city of Baltimore and kind of shows it through different lenses across multiple seasons in pretty powerful ways. Some a lot of actors who became very popular, I would say five, seven, ten plus years later all feature on the wire like it is a like the only thing that is challenging now Omar's coming dan omar is coming coming. um r.i.p r.i.p omar um but the like having to adapt to the fact that they're using like beepers is probably like one of those things that if you watch it today (laughs) just doesn't feel the same uh actually same a little bit with the sopranos which actually came out earlier than the wire uh david chase show um that one uh all-time performances from James Galvalfini and and a few others. Then The Leftovers, more recent one, Damon Lindelof, uh, What If 2% of the World Were to Just Disappear Overnight and You Had to Try to Figure Out How That Impacts Everyone Else and What Would That Do to Society. And then, I mean, no surprise, also some of the best performances on any type of show ever, but Breaking Bad um, is just infinite. Like, it's, it's sad, it's frustrating, it's terrible to watch someone devolve into being like the worst possible version of themselves or what could have happened differently. But the way that uh, Vincent Gillian or Vince Gillian makes that journey happen is pretty impressive. So those are the five I would put out there. I think there's a whole lot more because uh, there's also a lot of good TV, much like there is a lot of good movies. Yeah. We got to, we got to do this. When you ask these questions, ask them like the awards would segment them. We got to do best comedies. We got to do best dramas. We got to do that sort of, it's like top five TV shows. It changes all the time. New TV comes out all the time. Okay, we'll do a couple here lightning round. So we Brewer asking, let's talk pizza, which I guess was just a recommendation for favorite types of pizza. Nick, you have two. I have one. I'll let you go first. Both New York because, uh, look, I, I think the definitive order is New York pizza, number one. Everything else Uh falls into place although i will shout out detroit style pizza as incredibly good i love detroit style pizza uh my two picks are both in new york uh lombardi's they say they're the oldest pizzeria in new york and you wouldn't know it because that shit is fresh as hell uh when you get it uh and then the second one suckered me in through their instagram videos but it's crispy pizza oh my god they have a vodka sauce pizza that will absolutely lift the roof off of your mouth. It is incredible. Uh, both of them are, are worthy winners, and there are so many others that deserve to be in that category. I'm hungry talking about this. Look, I would say actually, in general, I prefer a Neapolitan style uh, type of pizza as personal preference. However, I would agree that New York City in the U.S. is the place to go for a pie. Having been there recently this past weekend and ticked off a box in terms of places I wanted to try, I will absolutely put uh, Lucali, which is uh, over in Brooklyn, as a recommendation. Very much a hard place to get into if you're not showing up or paying a task rabbit or someone to show up for you in line at four o'clock and get yourself on that queue you might not get in and you also might be arriving at four o'clock and not coming back until nine o'clock to enjoy your dinner in that moment cash only super tiny inside but they're rolling the pizzas with wine bottles i don't know it's just a lot of showmanship in it but uh, boy oh boy that pizza is incredible and actually the sneaky trick Get the pizza and get a small calzone to share with somebody. That calzone was incredible. One that Ben Wyatt himself would have loved. (laughs) Ah, Well done. Well, good Parks and Rec reference there. I like that. Absolutely for you. Jerry had to ask, what about this amazing addition to a show that's already excellent? Bob Odenkirk, according to Discussing Film, has been cast in The Bear Season 2. The Bear, a show about... A, a young chef who's having to come back to his fab- family establishment, try to rekindle relationships in the city of Chicago, and do it all while serving some Italian beef sandwiches. 
look, we all bow down to Bob Odenkirk. The guy's just an incredible actor. You, you you listed Breaking Bad as one of your your top five shows. I think Better Call Saul uh, certainly was not a uh, a, a uh, imperfect uh, sequel to that. Um, it was an incredible series. Bob Odenkirk, incredible actor. This has to just be a good thing. I can't imagine this being a bad casting decision. No, very excited for it. Interesting to see. I don't necessarily want to spoil what character he is, so I'll leave that to those who want to go find the article. Kate asking the question, favorite barbecue dish and favorite barbecue place? And Nick, you are the BBQ aficionado, the expert of the podcast. I am going to be really clear when I say this because Dan and I disagree. And this is not Dan's question. This is my question. Kansas City style barbecue is the best barbecue. There are many other barbecues out there. There are Texas style barbecue. There are Carolina style barbecue. Alabama barbecue has some sort of white sauce on it. Get the fuck out of here. What's wrong with you? Um, Kansas City style barbecue is the best barbecue. Dan will note, because I've taken him and Brandon on a tour day barbecue whilst they were in Kansas City, there are many good places to visit. The NFL Draft is here this weekend. We have a question about that coming up. If you are in Kansas City, I'm going to give you three things that you must do when you eat barbecue here. All right? First, you're going to wait at a gas station called Joe's. You're going to get a sandwich called the Z-Man. It is brisket provolone and an onion ring with barbecue sauce on it, and it will change your fucking life. It is that good. Number one. Number two, you're going to go to Q39. You're going to get yourself a reservation. You're going to have a smoked old-fashioned, and you're going to order the competition plate of whatever barbecued meats that you want. I prefer the brisket and bird end personally. That's what I would do. And number three, boy, I'm feeling hungover on a Saturday, Sunday morning. What should I do? Go to Char Bar. Get the burnt end egg Benedict and thank me later. Those are the three things you need to do in your world, Kate. So get on over to Kansas City. I'll take you out. It'll be great. You have taken us to all three of those establishments, and I can vouch very much for the fact that all of them were an exceptional time. Uh, I will say one year for my birthday, we did go to Franklin's in Austin, Texas, which again, Texas and Kansas City, very different barbecue styles. That was a joy of an experience as well with the brisket, the smoked turkey. A surprise out of left field was phenomenal. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just barbecue is great. You know, uh, it's it's great. You great got it. You got to have a task rabbit person to get into fucking Franklin's, though. My God, the lines are forever. The Franklin line, though, is a party. So essentially, you're you're going with the intention like that. that you're I going like in that. line. You bring yourself a cooler. You pick up some tacos beforehand, some breakfast tacos and some coffee. You're, you, know, you bring a couple brews with you to enjoy with your friends. Um, hopefully, you're waiting when it's warmer than we did in, in November and it was, like, super cold outside and we were not prepared for it. Um that that's that's the thing to plan for you that line you're planning to have a good time in the line you, it's a part of the experience look right, I feel that. we put it off long enough craig just said one word boy <laughs> genius we know our good friend andrew has also said that he would take the boy genius review look uh boy genius for those who don't know it is a musical act uh so i'll just i wrote something out i'll read it because that way I think it's easier to uh, convey my thoughts on their most recent album, The Record. Uh, so the term supergroup is used in music, and it can feel a little bombastic at times, but three individuals who make up Boy Genius are fantastic musicians in their own right. It's Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus. It's an incredible album that allows the individual talents to flourish at times, but combines the best of each allowing for a type of transcendence impossible to achieve alone. Also for the album, they collaborate with some talented individuals. J-Som's Melina Duterte on bass. You had Otto Lux's uh, Carla Azar on drums, Illuminati Hotties, Sarah uh, Tuzin. And look, you had uh, engineering, Catherine Marks and co-production. Kind of like a super talent surrounded by super talent. It's like, hey, what if the Avengers made sure like everybody around them was like the a tier like second Avengers and not like the B and C tiers. <laughs> so 
Uh, it really just was a fantastic album. I've been listening to it pretty heavily recently. Uh, if you want some track recommendations, uh, $20, Not Strong Enough, Satanist, all very, very worth listening to. If you have Apple Music, uh, there was an interview that Zane Lowe did with them that was quite fantastic that added a lot of color to the record as well. But definitely a top album for the year contender for me. Just you, this is now a music podcast because of, of Dan's one review of, of that album. Um, look, I'm going to go listen to it now. I've never listened to Boy Genius in my life. I'm going to go listen to it. That's how powerful that review was. Um, Nick, one for you. Chandler said, mm. I think it's time for the Nick Verlaney bourbon special. And then Jamie just said bourbon with a <laughs> tear emoji and then a gif of multiple bourbon bottles. We've been enjoying some bourbon throughout recording this episode. You are never short for recommendations. So I think maybe a way to frame it is similar to what you did for barbecue. Maybe give people a recommendation, something new you're enjoying, something that you think is just a tried and true that you, you, if you go to a bar, you're going to order any time and maybe one for a special occasion, something really, really nice kind of top tier selection. All right. So, so off the radar, the new pick, Redwood Empire. Uh, we, Dan, I was talking to Dan about this beforehand out of Sonoma, California, which is not typically where one finds a bunch of good bourbon. That's where they find the, the red grape mash stuff that you drink. Um, the, these bourbons are fantastic. They're, they're really affordable for, for, you know, I think people who drink bourbon, they're, you know, between 30 and 40 bucks a bottle. They aren't like crazy expensive. You can find them places. And I think the flavor profile of Redwood Empire is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I am drinking a glass of the Pipe Dream right now, which is their bourbon. They have a, a Grizzly something. They have a, a bunch of other names. The artwork is sick on the bottle if you're one of those suckers like I am for a good uh, a bit of bottle art. Uh, Redwood Empire, I can't recommend enough. Uh, my buddy Drew gifted me a bottle for uh, being on his uh, uh, being one of his groomsmen for his wedding, and I have not turned back. Absolutely fantastic. So that's one. Uh, as an everyday option, uh, you know, I've gotten into a lot of different stuff. Uh, I would say that there is uh, now a little bit more distribution on this one. Uh, but I've also, if you're a rye fan, I'll throw, I'll throw a rye out to you. The, the double rye from High West, uh, which is out of Park City, Utah. Uh, they have the best, by, I mean, by far, when I say the best, the best whiskey tour tasting experience that I've ever had accompanied with a Michelin star restaurant in their, uh, in their barn. It's in a barn of all places. High West double rye is absolutely fantastic. It's a pretty smooth rye. It's not going to punch you in the face, uh, kind of rye. I think we've all had those before. And then if I'm drinking a bottle for a special occasion and I'm not going to go crazy expensive on this because I've, been very fortunate, as Dan will know, to try a bunch of Pappy Van Winkle and a bunch of those sorts of things. Uh, I would go for Jefferson's Ocean every single day of the week and twice on Sundays. I absolutely love their stuff. A little salted caramel flavor in there. Aged at sea. Absolutely fantastic. So hopefully that is a different look at, at bourbon for you, Dan. I don't know what your thoughts are. That's great. All, all wonderful recommendations. I, I think that uh, you've put me on to some things that I need to go try out myself. And as we round out this episode, we had Mr. Hatton Clogs asking, just give, gave us a, a, a breath of things to talk about. We, we ticked off the summer tour box, anything, which we, we definitely ticked off. But I wanted to end it on the fact, the upcoming NFL draft, because as bad as Chelsea are, I think our two NFL franchises at the moment might be worse. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how uh, excited we are for the draft coming up this weekend, other than the fact it's going to be a little bit of a party for you. Yeah, the draft is being staged uh, like t 10 minutes from my place. Um, so absolutely excited to, to get down there. I took Friday off. Uh, my Denver Broncos uh, are a shocking franchise right now. Hired a great head coach. And Sean Payton, very excited about that. But uh, we don't have a pick until the third, middle of the third round on Friday because we traded for Russell Wilson last year, and that didn't end up being very good for us. So um, whilst I will be there partying, my team will not be there until the third round. <laughs> and uh, 
That's not going to help us beat Patrick Mahomes in the old division there, Dan. So uh, that's what I have on the NFL draft. If you're in KC this weekend, hit me up on Twitter. Let's get a beer. Yeah, I'm not sure what the Patriots are going to do. I'm sure, like many drafts, it will be the exciting taking a pick and turning it into more picks in the first round, (laughs) which is just the best. Um, (laughs) Look, it would be the worst. Like, it's not, it's weird because, like, it's not a great QB class. I don't know if the Patriots understand who they have a quarterback in Mac Jones or Zappi. I don't think it's a, doesn't seem to be a awesome wide receiver class. It does seem like the lines are pretty deep. So, I mean, in worst case, you you pick a lineman who'll be there for for four to five years and help you keep your your pro- most prized asset on a team upright, which uh, was not what the Patriots teams was capable of doing last year. So, I guess so. And I'm just excited we don't have a de- defensive coordinator uh, playing the role of offensive coordinator this season. That gives me so much more hope heading into this year. Um, very, very similar to Chelsea, right? Like you cast someone in the right position, uh, not let them try out in a new position um, with uh, with everything to play for. It's a sad state of affairs for our NFL team, Stan, and, uh, and for our Premier League team. And uh, it's pretty much a sad... Um, but I think, Nick, that's why we tried to add a little bit of levity into this episode. So, look, we know people listen. Urban. You should listen to about 45 minutes to, to 60 minutes of an episode. You got commutes. You need company throughout the day. Hopefully, this took care of that for you. And you have turned a little bit of the attention away off of the lack of joy watching the Chelsea men's team right now is provided, but we hope that you're staying safe and staying well, that you watch the Chelsea women's team tomorrow, hopefully as they beat Barcelona, fingers crossed, and advance in the Women's Champions League. That would be incredible, but until next time, you know what to do, Chelsea fans. Keep the blue flag flying high.